Well, of those who are here, I guess you didn't blow away last night. So, uh, and it was kind of an interesting night. A lot of people still without power, and so uh, I'm glad you're all here and uh, we're able to be here together. So, today we're starting a new series. As you can imagine, we're in a Christmas series. Everybody like Christmas series? Well, I do too, and uh, to be able to uh, do this with you is just special for me uh, this time of the year too, and uh, so we spend the next three weeks in a Christmas series, and, and so for those of you who are joining us online, you must still have power as well. So uh, we're thankful you're here with us. Uh, my name is Michael, and I'm the pastor here, okay? Uh, so in this Christmas series, uh, when we start thinking about Christmas, we get these ideas in our minds about maybe what they should look like or the things that we should talk about. Uh, and as I was preparing for this, I was just, I was looking at this nativity set, and I was going, God, what should be in a Christmas series? I mean, I've done them many times before. Uh, and so, of course, you talk about the birth of Jesus. You talk about uh, maybe Mary and Joseph and their experience on the way to Bethlehem and then the events that surround the birth of Christ. And, and so I thought, well, all those things are good, but God, what do you want us to do this time? And so as I was looking at this nativity set, I just uh, felt like God was telling me, uh, who's not in that nativity set that might be important, somebody that might be able to shed a little bit more light or just a different perspective on the Christmas story. Uh, And so this series over the next three weeks is just going to be dedicated to the unlikely characters, the unlikely characters of Christmas. Uh, And so as you go home, you look at your nativity set, these people won't be in the nativity set that you have, most likely. Uh, And so I want to start this off with just taking a look at the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and the events that lead up to uh, really what's going to be the forerunner to Christ. You know, we've heard of John the Baptist before, right? Well, Zachariah and Elizabeth, who are related to Mary, we'll see here in the text, um, are these individuals who are pretty important to the story, and they kind of set the scene for what's going to take place, okay? And so we'll be in Luke chapter 1 today. Luke chapter 1, so you know your Bible, grab that and turn to Luke chapter 1. And so before we get into this, hopefully you're already there, I want us just to remember this phrase, our response to the promise matters. So we we all respond differently to the promise and to this Christmas season. Uh, Some of us get, you know, very uh, uh, uptight and upset and we're trying to get that perfect gift. We're trying to get, you know, the Christmas tree and the lights up and everything just has to go a certain way. And of course, you know, windstorm had to blow through and probably blow some of that stuff down. And so maybe we're stressed out about that now too. But I want to point us back to this real meaning of Christmas. And most of us know it. But before we jump into it, I want to show you a video, video real quick. It should be on the screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God in the beginning. All things were made by Him. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. God became man to die for all men. This is the true miracle of Christmas. So that passage out of John chapter 1, I hope we're thinking about that as we get ready for the Christmas season uh, and as we turn our focus to Luke chapter 1. I know we'll be in those settings, we'll be unwrapping those presents, but uh, let's remember why we're there and why we're celebrating. We know we do that because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and his birth had to come first and then a sinless life. So um, if you're in Luke chapter 1, there's some things I want to take a look at, specifically in Zachariah and Elizabeth's life. And in chapter 1, we see a variety of things taking place. Uh, we know that Luke was the author of this book, and he was a disciple of Jesus, and uh, he was taken from his life of uh, being a physician, being a doctor. Now, you might think for some of the disciples, oh, they were fishermen, or oh, he was a tax collector, and well, maybe it was easier for them to leave their profession, but Luke was a doctor, and so he was a very detail-oriented guy, and he, um, he most likely wrote the book of Acts and Hebrews as well, and he brings to bear some interesting things for us in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, and so we'll start in verse 5, and I just want to read the first few verses here, 5 through 7, and we'll talk about it. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. Both were advanced in years. So at first glance, you might think, oh, these are some people, you know, they're not that important. Maybe they're relative to the story. Uh, well, Luke includes Zachariah and Elizabeth for a very specific reason. To start off with, Zachariah and Elizabeth were both, both of the priestly line. Um, Zechariah was a priest, and he was of this order of about 300 priests in his division. Now, what we may not know is that of the priests, there were a little over 7,200 priests. All right? That was a lot, a lot of priests. And so they would get this opportunity to serve in the temple, more than likely maybe once a year, uh, maybe just for a few days. And so we're going to see what's going to take place, and it's going to be the first communication that God has with anybody for 400 years. All right? And so when we jump into verse 8. And that's exactly what takes place. It says, Now while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. 
And so Zechariah, um, performing the task that the priests have been doing for hundreds of years since God gave his last word to the people, and we'll read that here in a second, and he goes into this setting and he's, he's thinking, I'm just burning the incense, and, and then all of a sudden this angel shows up and starts talking to him. And now we don't really think about the interaction that takes place between the angel and Zechariah. We think a lot about the interaction between Mary and the angel. And that's good, and we should, but if we look at this, we're going to see some things that are special that are reminding us that it's been a long time since God's people have heard from him. Uh, There's been a lot of uh, destruction, a lot of upheaval. Uh, They've been taken from their home. Uh, They came back, and they they rebuilt some things, but it was not like it was before. And the people who are in this setting are, are still under the subjugation of another nation. And so while they are looking towards the hope of a Savior, a Messiah who's going to come, This first word comes to Zechariah, and the last words that are spoken to God's people are found back in Malachi 4, 5 through 6. I want to read that before I talk about this a little bit more. It says in Malachi 4, 5, 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction." And so things have been difficult for the people of God. They've been waiting. They had that last word, and they're like, when is he going to say something else? He comes to Zechariah, and he has this word. And it's really, it's a personal word, too. He's not just telling him about what's going to take place in the future. He's not just giving him hope, but he's going, he, he tells him, hey, Zechariah, I've heard your personal prayer. I know you guys, you haven't been able to have any kids, and today, God has answered you. And so there's this precursor that gets announced before Jesus, John the Baptist. Uh, and so we see here there's this very small window of time that takes place when Zachariah is going into the temple. Um, this would have been a great honor. They would, have been, uh, they would have basically rolled the dice on all these 300 priests who were here for a few days who would get to go in and burn incense in the temple. So it would have been the greatest honor of Zachariah's life. And so he's just going in to perform the task. And out of nowhere, the angel speaks to him. And we'll see how he responds. Uh, and what we do know is, hey, he's, he's blameless. He's going in there. He thinks, um, I'm just going to do, do my thing. And what Zechariah knows as a priest from knowing the tradition is that, you know, you'd go in, in there, and if, unless you did things exactly right, then something bad might happen to you, right? If you didn't perform the sacrifice right, if you didn't burn the incense in the right way, a lot of times they would tie a rope around the guy who went in. And so just imagine that. He's like, greatest honor of my life may not come out. <laughs> so this is his first experience going in, and an angel shows up. Can you imagine what you'd be thinking? Is this the end? <laughs> and then he starts talking to him, hey, good news, you're going to have a child. So maybe not the first thing you would have expected going into that setting. But here's how Zechariah responds. So he's gotten good news the first time that anybody's communicated, well, that God's communicated with anybody since this time of Malachi. And here's what it says in verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time, when his time of service was ended, he went home. 
So, wow, a lot of things going on here. You imagine Zechariah, he's in this setting, the angel shows up, he thinks, is my life over? Uh, and, and then, oh, hey, there's this good news that he's given, and, and then the angel has to go, I, I'm Gabriel, man. Like, I came all this way, you know, I, I had some good news for you, and you didn't believe. And in some form or fashion, I think we can all kind of relate to that. We, maybe you're a skeptic in here, and you came to know the Lord later in life, or maybe you just go, I just always have questions, like I need this answered. And Zachariah, in the same way, leading up to Jesus coming onto the scene, God goes, hey, you're going to have this special son. You have a son in old age. Kind of reminds you of people like Abraham and Sarah, a son in old age. And I like what he says here. Uh, <clears throat> he says, for I'm an old man. Guys, that's okay to say about yourself, by the way. I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced. She's advanced in years. That's a nice way to put it, right? She's advanced, so just remember that. And so, and then he has to tell him what's going to take place. This angel Gabriel who shows up on the scene and say, hey, you're going to be silent for a time, and there's going to be some things you're going to learn in this process. And so it's interesting, as we think about the life of Zachariah and Elizabeth, so the, the forerunners to the forerunner, John the Baptist, who would be given to them, Gabriel says, hey, you're going to have a son, but you're going to be silent. And I think that he did that for a reason. Zechariah would go back home, and we're going to see Mary's going to enter the scene. And most of us have read this text. We read the text about Mary, and she, word from the Lord, you know, the angel tells her, oh, great, you know, and she sings her song. We're going to read that. But what was Zechariah doing the whole time? Well, I'll give you what I think he was doing, but let's read this account of Mary as well. So we've got Zechariah and Elizabeth. No one spoke to, God hasn't spoke to the people in 400 years. He give him, gives him the word. He says, you've got a son coming, and here's what he's going to be doing. And then in verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So this is a little bit different interaction. Now, Mary is probably a teenager at the time, and, and the angel Gabriel, he shows up, and he goes, hey, I got, a, I got a word for you too. And this is months later, okay? So let's keep this in mind. So six months later, uh, he's talking to her, and he, and he goes, hey, you're going to carry the Savior of the world. Wow. I mean, blown away. Wasn't she? You would think so. And then towards the end here, there's a question and explanation. Her response is um, not one of disbelief, but of belief. And she's going, you know, I, I believe. How is this going to happen? And he explains it to her. And she believed. And where does she go? Like many of us, maybe needing comfort in a difficult time. She's going, this is going to take place. I mean, what is this going to look like? What are people going to think? 
I'm carrying the Savior of the world. And my relative, Elizabeth, who, uh, who, who has a child, John the Baptist, I mean, he's coming and uh, he, he's going to be this forerunner. So what does this all mean? I'm gonna, I, you know what? I'm going to go to her and I'm going to talk to her and I'm going to get some comfort. So here's what takes place. Verse 39 says, In those days Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So Mary like maybe any young woman in her situation, I'm going to have a baby, I'm a teenager, I'm betrothed, let me go to receive comfort from this relative, Elizabeth. She's, uh, she's been pregnant for six months, so she's with her, and we're going to see that she's actually going to spend a little bit more time with her. Where's Zachariah this whole time? Now, there's you know, functions and things that he has to perform, but he's going to be at home a large majority of that time, and Mary shows up and says, Hey, this is what's happening. Jesus was given to me. You've got John, John the Baptist in the womb. He's already starting his proclamation about Jesus. See, she enters the scene, and the baby leaps in the womb. And I don't know about you, but it's really cool. Like when, you, when my wife was pregnant the last couple of times, and now you, you get to a point where you start to feel things, right? You're like, oh, wow, like that kid's kicking. Yeah, they're doing stuff cool. That's awesome. But you can imagine being Elizabeth, being this, uh, <laughs> this wife who's carrying John the Baptist, who's looking forward to the coming of Jesus, and she's carrying John, and of course, everything's affirmed, right? We always have questions and, and skepticism about things, but even in that moment, John was confirming that it was Jesus. So I like that. It's a cool interaction. Mary comes after she's received the good word, and then she's got this song of response. So it's kind of opposite of Zechariah. He doesn't really get to say a whole lot other than just sort of he's doubtful uh, that, that he's going to be given a child, and Gabriel's like, okay, you're not going to talk for nine months, right? You're, gonna, you're just going to hang out there. You're going to learn some things, hopefully, by not talking. Uh, and then Mary shows up on the scene. She shares what's going on. And when Elizabeth is going, oh, it all makes sense. And so Mary has some words for us, too. It's this song she sings. You might have heard it before. I just want to read it to us and keep moving through this. And in 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name and his mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant, his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. So we hear the song, we hear the response, we celebrate the good news, why we get the tree ready, why we put the presents under it so we can tell our kids it's not about the present, it's about Jesus, right? And so we're in that setting and we, we do that every year, it seems like, and then remind them. But then when we catch here at the end, it says, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. So after 
Gabriel tells Mary, hey, your relative Elizabeth, she's, she's got this baby coming along the way as well. She's about six months in. Mary goes to join her. She tells her everything that's taking place, and then Mary stays about another three months. So, I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but from what I understand, as we're going to continue to read, although Mary's not mentioned again, she's probably there when John the Baptist comes along. And Zachariah, who's probably around the whole time too, and hears what Mary's saying, he gets to hear Mary, this teenager, say, and the angel told me this, and I believed. And then she sings this song. Can you imagine what Zachariah's thinking? Oh, man, I, I just didn't get it at the beginning. I didn't get it. When the angel came to me, uh, I just went, oh, I'm not sure. And Mary, without any doubt, hesitation, she believes. And she shares this story with a relative, and they spend this time together thinking about what God's going to do through their children. So, teenagers, you may think that... Uh, God doesn't have anything important for you to do, anything to be used. But clearly, he does. He used Mary, and I think he used Mary in a mighty way to uh, help Zachariah in particular, who's there, and he's just going, I can't talk, I'm frustrated, uh, I need to get this. And when he's given the opportunity to speak, he's, gonna, he's got some things to say, and I think he took some notes from Mary's song about Jesus. Uh, and so <clears throat> we'll finish up in the uh, last few verses here, 57 through 80. But I want to remind us as we're going through this, our, our response to the promise matters. So uh, it's not just about the, the busyness of the season. It's not just about the gifts that we will get. It's not about the cool decorations and the trees and the lights. But we know it's about Jesus and what he's done for us in his life. Not just his coming, being the baby Jesus, but his, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so as we think about this, the life of Zechariah, his response to the promise, Mary's response to the promise, I want us to think about our story, um, our response to this promise. Now, my guess is that most of us in the room here now have made a decision to follow Jesus, and we've heard the story over and over again, but maybe we just haven't thought about like everything that's going on, the situations taking place. Yes, Jesus came. Uh, but we're going to see that there was this transformation for a man who had been, he had been serving God. He was righteous. But when it came down to it, when the promise came, he just goes, ah, I'm not, I'm not sure. And so I don't know where you're at, but maybe this will help you today. And in verse 57, we'll start there again. It says, now the time came for Mary, for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring that he wanted him to be called, what he wanted to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, <clears throat> His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and on all the thi- the, these things uh, were talked about throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. So you can imagine uh, the promise that's taken place. So Zechariah, from the very beginning here, he's uh, he's entered the scene where he's a priest, he's, he's gotten selected for this special role, he goes in just thinking he's going to do like all the other guys have done before, and Gabriel shows up, and he goes, I've got a good word for you, I've got a personal word, you guys are going to have a son, you know how from, uh, you've lived righteously, and just time after time as you walk through the market and the street, and people go, oh, Zachary and Elizabeth, what did they do? Because they don't have a kid. 
And you can imagine the heartache, and finally, Gabriel comes, he says, I've heard, we've heard the prayer every day. We've heard what you've been saying, and God's going to give you this gift. And not only that, he's going to be used for a special purpose. Like what God said in the Old Testament 400 years before, when Malachi was speaking, and, and he, he talks about this guy who's going to come in the spirit of Elijah. And what did Gabriel say about him? Hey, just like, just like Elijah, John the Baptist, he's going to do some really, really important things. And God's been preparing the way for all this and for the coming of Jesus as well. So now he gets the opportunity to speak, and we'll see what he says in verse 67. And it says, And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give the light to those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to give our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit and was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. I love the last couple of words that Zechariah uses there. He's given the opportunity to speak again, and you're going, okay, not going to mess it up this time. I've been given some time to think about it. Mary came, this teenage girl who believed, and she sang this song. And Zechariah's going, ah, I wish I could say something. I wish I could say something. And when he gets the opportunity to, um, I love this, what he talks about at the end, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of death. And that's the time that we live in. Um, There's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of um, places and areas we need mercy and we need peace. And when all this was taking place, Jesus preparing the way, he, he wasn't going, okay, now around this season, around this time, here's what I would love for people to do. I'd love for them to get so busy, they're just stressed out of their mind. And I'd love for them to uh, just be running around, like trying to find that perfect gift, like getting the decoration set up, like going from family's house to family's house. Then, you know, end of the day, they're just so exhausted. They go, oh, man, I don't even know why we do this, <laughs> you know? And while all this was taking place, Zachariah speaks these words that I think would help us during this time of the year to give light to those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of death to guide their feet into the way of peace. If we needed peace anytime, we need it now, don't you think? Uh, Bryce talked about some of those things that are going on now and the instability and just kind of the craziness of the world that we live in. And we come into this Christmas season and, and we've got to go, and I, I love the promise. I love the promise that Jesus is going to come, he's going to be born. But then do we think about some of the words that surround the promise and what Zacharias said about his own son, about the coming of Jesus. He knew this was going to be a better time, right? He knew this was going to change everything to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
And so while John the Baptist, he would grow up, he would proclaim that Jesus was going to come, and he came, uh, he would meet his end at the hand of an of a angry, mean ruler. Uh, and some people would go, well, wow, you know, why did that happen to John the Baptist? Why did he lose his life? Well, because he fulfilled his purpose. And in what Zacharias says, this peace that was going to come, John was going, hey, I did my part. And I can only imagine, and you think about his life all the way at the end uh, when he's buried, I wonder what it would have said on his tombstone. And I thought about things like um, the mission was complete, completed the mission. Um, and if, any, if maybe those things could be said about us, I think we would call that a good life, right? Zechariah, like many of us, even being a righteous guy who was a priest, who went into the temple, he doubted. And I think we all struggle from time to time, especially in seasons like this, whether it's because we're missing somebody who's not around anymore, uh, or maybe because as we come into this season, we don't have some of the things that we want, but we have Jesus. And if that was all we had, that should be enough. Because what Zechariah says here, he says he's, he's come to bring this peace that we can all experience. And maybe... For you, maybe you have already made that decision. Maybe you're going, yeah, have peace during the season. The world seems crazy, but I'm so glad that I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each of these people have different responses. Zechariah, he doubts at first, and he comes back, and he says some really, really important words before Jesus comes. There's going to be this peace, and those who are walking in this darkness. We look at that in the first passage in John chapter 1. There's all this darkness going around, but the good news is that it hasn't overcome the light. And it still hasn't, no matter what takes place. As we look towards uh, some of these things, what Bryce talked about, the end times, those things coming, we have to remember why we're here. And that in the midst of all this, we can have this peace that Zechariah talks about. And so Mary comes, she gives a little lesson on how to, how to praise God. Zechariah takes his notes, and he writes down some really important words that I hope we don't forget today, because our response to this promise matters. Um, our response in this season matters. Um, the uh, not being filled with the discontentment of the season or the busyness or, or being angry at every person that looks at you the wrong way, but instead having this peace that Zechariah talked about. He knew what it was. He had nine months to sit there and go, okay, when do I get to talk again? And when he did, he's like, good news. The peace is coming. The peace is coming, okay? And so maybe for you, I don't know, uh, maybe uh, you're listening online or you're here and, and you haven't experienced that before, uh, this ability to know that Jesus Christ came. We're about to celebrate that. That he, li- he not only came and he was this little baby, but he lived the sinless life and he died on the cross for our sins so that anybody who chooses to put their faith and trust in him would have eternal life. Uh, and so if that's you in here, you made that decision, praise God for that. You get to celebrate this season in peace, um, in the right way. But if you haven't, uh, I'd be here and I'd love to talk to you about that afterwards. Uh, or if you're online, reach out to us and we can do it that way too. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this season, for this time. Um, God, we pray that as we think about the promise that you've given us, um, it matters how we respond to it. God, in this season, we can be so filled uh, with all the busyness, all the acquisition, all the discontentment that uh, it can bring. Uh, But God, we pray that we would have this peace that Zechariah talks about, um, that we wouldn't be like the rest of the world that walks around in darkness, that doesn't know where they're going, that are trying to fulfill every um, little want with something that will never fulfill them. Um, God, I pray that during this season, we would be peaceful. Um, God, we'd be filled with the life that you have given us already if we put our faith and trust in you. 
God, if there's anybody here uh, who's listening um, who has not made that decision to trust you, I pray that, like Zechariah, um, he had a chance to respond first and he doubted. I pray that maybe this would be a season uh, of a second chance um, to respond to the promise that you've given us. Um, we thank you for all those that were used um, before us, that we could look to their example. And God, I pray more than anything in this story of our lives, uh, when people look back and they read the accounts that took place, um, I pray that, um, like Zechariah realized in the end, um, that we can have peace through knowing you and that that transcends every area of our life through what you've done for us on the cross. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, love you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday. And now uh, we get the great opportunity to come back. Uh, feel free to come back here tonight at 630